Welcome to episode number 615 of Category 5 Technology TV. Now, another box has arrived in the mail, Sasha. Yeah. And it arrived just like this. And I'm going to tell you, it's going to impress. I'm sure it is. Mm-hmm. We're going to get into this in just a couple of moments' time. I'll give you a hint. It's a single-board computer, but it's not a Raspberry Pi floor. Stick around. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Our live recordings are trusted only to solid-state drives by Kingston Technology. Revive your computer with improved performance and reliability over traditional hard drives with Kingston SSDs. Category 5 TV streams live with Telestream Wirecast and Nimble Streamer. Tune in every week on Roku, Kodi, Plex, and other HLS video players. For local showtimes, visit Category5.tv. Category5.tv is a member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Cat5.tv slash TPN and the International Association of Internet Broadcasters. Cat5.tv slash IAIB. Welcome to the show, everybody. It's so great to have you here. This week, I have a nondescript, completely unmarked, yet tiny cardboard box to open the unboxing and believe me oh this is exciting imagine a world in a world where a desktop computer would fit inside of this little tiny box you built a computer once yes i did remember how many large boxes it took many large boxes yeah we had to do like 17 trips to the dump sorry recycling with all the recycling Now, tiny box. Uh, yeah, I'm really, really excited about this. I'm going to give you a hint. It is not a Raspberry Pi 4. I'm going to give you another hint. It's better. Uh, so you want to stick around. We're going to unbox that. We're going to get a look at it. And we're actually going to connect it all together. And we're going to give it a test and see how it operates as a desktop computer, we're going to say. We'll just call it that. It's going to be an awesome show. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we do get into it, though, I want to remind you, make sure you uh, subscribe to us on YouTube. And uh, also, don't forget to click that bell. That will make sure that you get the notifications every time we're live or when we post any great new videos. Right. Like this one. Yes. Maybe that's how you got here. Thank you for subscribing. Like and subscribe. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Okay, well, I'm going to get right over to our unboxing table here because this one is something we got to get right into. There it is. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get into the box for what is the Kadas Vim 3. First thing I see is a USB-C cable. That's going to presumably power this thing. We've got, uh, let's see here, looks like some thermal thermal interface pads. One. There we go. Oh, and uh, look at that heat sink as well. So the Kadas Vim 3 released the same day as the Raspberry Pi 4. Came with a power brick. There we go. Oh, and it's got the USB-C built right into it. Perfect. This one, on the other hand, is a six-core Amlogic A311D SOC. That makes this um, 2.2 gigahertz on four cores. 1.5 on... uh, No, 1.8 on two cores, but six cores, folks. We've got a screwdriver here and the DIY case. I I love the design. And this this was the metal base plate as well, uh, this particular model. And it's going to presumably keep things a little cooler. What have we here? Well, considering the Vim 3 has infrared, two-channel infrared, we may as well have a Kadas remote control for, say, Kodi or Libre Elec or even Android. I like it. That would work perfectly. And the moment that we've been waiting for, the SBC itself. So the single board computer. Look at all these accessories that fit in that little tiny box. This single board computer has between 2 and 4 gigabytes of RAM. Now, what sets this apart beyond the SO? Now, obviously, the SOC is part of this. The A311D is not only a 6-core processor, uh, big little, but it also has uh, a 5.0 TOPS neural processing unit. So if you ever want to get into AI development, this is the board. So we get a lot of power out of this thing, and Kadas is doing some amazing stuff for, for AI development for makers. 
Uh, even if you're just interested in checking it out, look at that board. Amazing how much they can fit onto these things these days. Just beautiful. So we've got the micro SD there at the top, your top, as well as the gigabit Ethernet. I've also got this EMM or the M.2 and some camera connectors. Did I say M.2? I did. We've got antennas for AC, um, Wi-Fi, and Bluetooth 5.0. We'll get into those specs. And there you have it. We've got one USB 2, one USB 3. Just clear my, my work area here a little bit. So uh, I'm not sure how to distinguish the two USB ports. They look the same, but there's a USB... That's the USB-C for power, full-sized HDMI, gigabit Ethernet, and another USB. And one of those can be three. I've got tactile momentary switches there, power, function, and reset. And then we've got a 40-pin GPIO as well. Perfect for the AI maker or general maker anyways. There you have it. So I want to actually put this into the case, Sasha, that I was uh, showing you there. Mm -hmm. um, so through the magic of television, I can just kind of skip forward, and I've got all the parts ready to go. A couple more specs for you. We've got 4K HDMI and 1080p MIPI DSi. Uh, they can be used at the same time for up to two displays. They're independent of one another. One of them can actually be touch as well with the built-in TP connector. Oh, is uh, that some so sort of like thermal thing? Or? That is a thermal pad to put onto the SOC here the system on chip, oh, okay. basically the CPU of a single board computer. That's going to make good thermal contact between the heat sink right here and the processors and things oh. like that, right? Um, now this antenna is going to get in the way here. And it looks like the... What I actually want to do is put it in the case first because the um, screws that I put in to mount this is is in fact going to hold the uh, the motherboard into the case as well. Right. Got a whole bunch of screws. It's just figuring out which ones we need to use. Some maybe extras. That Wi-Fi that's built into this as well, it's 2T2R, uh, which means, um, and it is AC, it means that it, it can transmit and receive on two channels simultaneously. So presumably we're going to get some really good speed and signal out of that. We've got these built-in antennas as well. Uh, we've got, um, let's see, support for mainline Linux kernel. And in fact, it does support kernel 5.0 and higher. So we're not going to have any trouble with the latest and greatest. So let's see about getting this in here. I just want to be careful because there are, you know, a lot of little... Uh, resistors and everything else on this board and these yeah. antennas are really getting in my way sasha to be honest i think what i'm going to do is see if i can yeah these look like the little snc connectors so there oh. yes i can actually remove that one push this one aside no problem that's going to help okay so the heat sink that I'm putting on right now, that's basically your cooling for this. It's passive cooling. So yes, there is a fan header, but we're just going to go with passive cooling for the DIY case. It looks really sleek. Um, but I suppose with such a powerful little microcomputer, you, you could get away with going with, um, with active cooling. It's going to be a good idea. So I've got these screws here, and through the magic of television, I can speed this up. But these screws are a triangle. They are not Phillips screws. And it did include, Cottis included the screwdriver with this, so I have no problem here. But sysadmins, builders, makers, make sure you mark that as a Cottis screwdriver and uh, keep that somewhere safe. Do not lose it. <laughs> I can understand, you know, I got thinking, why did they go and do something like that stupid thing, proprietary screws, where I can't just use a Phillips screwdriver? And I thought, you know what, this is a really professional SBC. This is not a Raspberry Pi, folks. This is a what I would call something for the enterprise, a professional builder, someone who's really taking uh, their building to the next level. I'm just going to reattach this connector for the antenna. Um, and al along that line, I think of it as more of an appliance. Like once you've assembled this, you want it to be something that n nobody's going to disassemble on you. It's, it's an appliance. 
but do keep that screwdriver handy because it, it kind of troubles me that you are going to need that particular screwdriver in order to get this back apart. Okay. All right, so there's the case of the DI or the cover of the DIY case. That's how it fits together. I mean, it, it's a perfect snug fit. Uh, we've got access to those tactile buttons on the end there. You don't have to disassemble it or anything to have access to the buttons. The SD card is easily accessible. Everything is, is just meticulously designed. Meticulous. That's the word I'm going to use, Sasha. Yes. I don't think you're wrong. This is great. I'd have to say, like, this whole kit together is, is just an absolutely fine build. Very, very pleased with the build quality and the, and the quality of the SBC itself. And there you have it, the Cadiz Vim 3. They are for, uh, they're available for pre-order right now. And uh, you can actually save $20 off of the retail price by going to their website through cat5.tv slash vim3. And just follow the prompts to uh, either post on Twitter or Facebook. And uh, when you do that, you're going to get 20, 20 bucks off. I got some extra screws here. Yeah. It's like Ikea built this. <laughs> but uh, everything's solid and there's no, no other screw holes. Who knows? All right. So we got our power brick. There we go. And let's plug it in. And when we come back, folks, let's see if I can get this unwrapped. When we come back, I'm going to fire up the Cadiz Vim 3. And we're going to check out what we can do with this little bad boy. It's a single board computer that boasts itself as being powerful enough to be a modest desktop. Stick around. Welcome back. Today we are looking at the Cadiz Vim 3. The Vim 3 is brand new, not yet available, but it is available for pre-order. You can save 20 bucks on it uh, by simply following the prompts on their website at cat5.tv slash Vim 3. But this is not an advertisement. This is a review. Right. And this is unbiased. This is just, I want to see where we're at with something like the Cadiz Vim 3. Now, we're at this very, very interesting point here entering the third quarter of uh, 2019. And, and what I'm seeing is this transition in single board computing. We've been kind of moving toward it. And I had this, this chat with Wukash from Pine64 uh, when he was on the show. We talked about how we're really progressing toward a point when single board computing is going to be capable of replacing the desktop. Not the big, powerful gaming computer. We're not talking about that. Okay? Right, but you're but we're talking the average desktop computer that you use just to be able to get online, get, onto the, you know, get on the internet, do your like, everyday day -day. surfing, yeah. word processing, that kind of stuff. And right? And we're seeing computer. that proven. Yeah. Yeah, well, that too. But we're seeing that proven. And, and now, with the release of the Raspberry Pi 4, I was a little bit taken aback by the fact that they're marketing it as a desktop replacement. <laughs> what? Like, be careful with our marketing here, because we do need to be very, very um, mindful that this isn't a single board computer. These are ARM-based devices. They're not Intel or AMD. They're not like AMD 64 uh, compiled architecture. So there are some little caveats mm -hmm. when you switch to ARM because it's like that. It's this thing that's growing. Right. But we're now finally at that point when somebody like Raspberry Pi can feel confident to boost, uh, boast that this could be used as a desktop computer. But on the same day that the Raspberry Pi 4 was announced, the Vim 3 was also announced. Mm -hmm. Now, they had been leading up to it, but that was the day of the, the drop. Like, here are the specs. This thing is astonishing. So this also has the NPU. So that, that's the neural processing unit. So think about uh, AI. Um, that's going to, the, uh, the, uh, the Vim 3 is capable of doing AI tasks okay so this is a, a whole new era for computing uh, and it fits in a single board computer but with six cores mm -hmm. four of which run at 2.2 gigahertz okay two of which run at 1.5 uh, 1.8 
right. I realized. Okay. So this is really, really fast. So now we're at this point where, okay, we can probably stick this on the back of a monitor or turn this into a little computer. Do you think we could? Should we try it? Yes. Um, I've got this actually connected. So I've got the Katas Vim 3 right here, up and running. It's hard to get it into a shot, but I have the HDMI output from that going into a KKSB 13-inch, what is a Raspberry Pi screen, but of course, it will work with any HDMI device, so it's perfect. Right. Uh, so I'm going to switch. I've actually got it up on my screen here, um, and I'm using that as my computer tonight just to see how it performs. I just want to say before I switch over, when the Vim 3 arrived, it had Android Pie on it. Okay, it was, it runs amazing. It's like the fastest set-top Android device I've ever seen. But here's the other thing. There was no extra junk. None. There was no, like, new interface or replaced interface and a whole bunch of proprietary or whatever stuff that the manufacturers had thrown in there. It was like the cleanest, most streamlined Android install that I'd seen. It came pre-installed, but then I started playing with it only to, and, and I started installing other OSs, Ubuntu, Debian, Nems Linux, everything else, onto the Vim 3, thinking, oh yeah, I'll, I can install Android again, and, but Android hadn't yet been released. It came on the board, but the, the image file hadn't been released so that I could download it and re-image it. Right. However, but it is, by the time you get your Vim 3, it will be available to you. Um, so... Ubuntu is available, uh, Debian is available, Armbian, um, all that kind of stuff. Nems Linux is available for it right now. Uh, but let's jump on and let's see how it performs. So this is Ubuntu XFCE for the, um, for the Vim 3 from Katas. And immediately what I notice, and we've looked at other SBCs before, but I mean, the immediate feeling is that it responds just like my computer. Like I don't, I don't feel any latency there at all. So here it is. Let's jump on the internet. I've already got my browser open. There's uh, what we were talking about in the, uh, in the Discord. Let's head on over to pexels.com and let's get ourselves a nice background wallpaper because that's what I'm going to want here. So let's say space background. So here I am in Chromium. This came pre-installed. I didn't have to do any fancy stuff to get it all set up. Ooh, I kind of like that tree sitting in the oh, yeah. middle of the field there. Could I, could I use that as my desktop wallpaper? It is there really responsive. It feels really responsive. There's, there's, there's that number responsiveness where you do like benchmarks and you can look at numbers. And then there's that feeling of when I click, it responds. When I click, it does stuff. When I do stuff, it just, it does, its, yeah. it does what I'm expecting. This feels responsive. So as I'm moving around, it just feels like what I would expect. Uh, let's go into, okay, show in folder. There we go. Right click on that. Uh, let's see. And set as wallpaper. How does that look, Sasha? Great. Beautiful. Okay, one thing that I have installed is the GNU image manipulation program. I just installed that using apt. Look at how fast this performs. Oh my gosh. What? This is bananas. Can I just remind you that was that what you just saw is live on a single board computer right here. This this big. Huh. 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 I love this world of single board computers and how fast they're getting yeah. amazing. To be fair, this is a 1920 by 1278, so uh, basically 1280p image, not a huge image. So that's, that's to be fair. I uh, just noticed that. But that is, I mean, it's responsive, right? It feels good. You can see how, like, clicking around, I'm just not having, there's no effort there. Okay, so happy with that. GIMP installed just fine. Didn't have any problems. Um, the other thing that I did install was Super Tux Cart because I just wanted to know, like, would it handle games? And I have to say, you know, frame rate right now, not going to cut it for gaming. At least not 3D rendered games that have shaders and stuff like that. It's just not, not practical. But it, I mean, it boots, it, it runs, it's just the performance is too poor. Right. Are we, is this the two gigabit, 
gig RAM version or the four gig? Yeah, version? I'm using the basic, which is two gigs of RAM and okay. 16 gigs of EMMC. Oh, okay. Uh, the Pro has 32 gigs of EMMC and four gigs of RAM. Oh, okay. Okay, so make your choice. Um, and those are the two models of the Vim 3. Get your questions in. Sasha's watching the Discord. Uh, in the meantime, one thing I love to check because it often fails me on a single board computer is like, how does YouTube perform? Uh, that's important to me because that's just one of those things that you know I'm going to use on my computer. Uh, just for the sake of, you know, I need to own the rights to it, let's go to our website which uses, uh, which uses YouTube. There we go. So everything seems to run just fine, just like anything. There's no, there's no gimmicks here. Like it just, just feels right. Okay. So here's last week's episode. Yeah. It's playing. Let's bring it up in YouTube. Okay. So I haven't installed anything. It's just doing its thing and working just fine. So. Video works. A little bit janky. Yeah, there's a couple of little blips here and there. Let's go full screen, see how it, uh, how it operates. About the same. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't have a high frame rate, but it works. It's not stuttering or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But that actually doesn't look too bad. No. All considering. So, um, and video is a challenge for single board computers in these types of environments, too, I'll be honest. So, um... And that's because of things like 3D acceleration and, and the browser, how it works on YouTube. So uh, any other questions for us in the chat room about the Cotus Vim 3 at this point? No, but I have a question. Yes. You, will that heatsink be enough for what it does? Like, do you feel like you would want to add more? My hand is not a thermal sensor. Okay. But I'm just putting my hand right on top of it. I'll put my hand on the bottom, which right. is the metal. And it's hot, yeah. It's quite hot. My concern with the amount of heat that I do feel is if I did an M.2 and was using passive cooling, mm -hmm. I may have throttling on my file system. So you probably want to have some active cooling at that point. Okay. Um, these things are built to operate at a higher temperature than, like, than what you would normally have your computer running at kind oh, of thing. okay. Because they're built, that's what they're built for, is these industrial purposes. And, oh. But it doesn't feel, like, it's not, it's not burning me. It feels, it feels warm. But it doesn't feel, like, un unsafe? Uh, not no, anyway. no, yeah, no, nothing good. like that. No, like, I've got my hand on it. I can feel the heat. Yeah. It's like a plate when you take it out of the dishwasher kind of thing. Oh, okay. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Um, so no moving parts when it's in the, pa like, when it's passive like this. So... Uh, it, it doesn't make any noise. There's nothing to it. Right. You can, while it's up and running, you can move it around, no problems. Cause there's sure, no, yeah. Yeah, yeah just good. don't pull the cables and everything else. <laughs> so there's a lot of stuff that you could do with this. I mean, as I mentioned, this is kind of, it feels high-end. Mm -hmm. It feels like, hey, if you're a serious maker and you want to get into, uh, like, take your game to the next level, it's got the GPIO, it's got the, um, the AI chip, it's got a much stronger SOC, it's got a lot of RAM, it's got a lot of EMMC built in. And it's also, like, keep in mind, the EMMC is built in. So when you're comparing pricing... The Raspberry Pi 4, and I'm only using the Raspberry Pi 4 because I know it's at the forefront of everyone's mind. We all are thinking of it because it was just released. Mm -hmm. um, it does not come with any storage built in, and it doesn't even have the capability to use eMMC. Okay? Right. This has the storage built in. So when you compare the dollars, think about the fact that it comes with eMMC integrated into the circuit board, plus it's got that AI chip, plus like it's, it's got some other fancy stuff. Right. Fairly fancy. Yeah. Markman so, was saying if you're running YouTube video, if you mm -hmm. right-click on the video and then Stats for Nerds. Stats for Nerds is going to show us some stuff? I guess. Do we want to do that just to see what, uh, what it tells us? Let's see. Let's go back to YouTube. Let's see what and happens. I'll do a search for Category 5 Technology TV. There we are. We're live. There's a picture of us right now. That's trippy. Super crazy. Nice. Should I click on that one? No. All right. Let's click two weeks ago when Jeff was here. 
Okay, okay. right click. So Pretty can much. I pause that? And right click stats for nerds. What does it tell us? Okay. 1216 by 684. It's dropping some frames. Um what do you guys get from that? Okay, another test is Control Plus. Does it work on this board? And it does. That's important to me too. So you guys can probably see that now. There's my stats for nerds on the tube of you. There you go. <laughs> Let's let it play. So yeah, it's dropping some frames for sure. Now do keep in mind as well, I'm, I think it is important to note that OSs and everything are still very, very young for the board. I mean, it was just released on Monday. Right. So it's like th things will progress as well, and, uh, and that's important to note. But, but I like to be very transparent about the fact that, hey, this is what a single board computer is right now. It's operating at, uh, as well as can be expected for a single board computer and very, very well at that. Yes. So, yes, I could probably use this as... Um, <laughs> I mean, what can you use it for? Like, uh, on a display like this, touchscreen monitor or something like that, right. it would be fantastic. I picture, like, you could use it easily for, um, you know, kiosk sort of things. Oh, or I love that. That's what I mean. Like, put it in your kitchen and just let her let her Right. Rip. Or when I was working at the clinic, we were thinking about going paperless. Mm -hmm. Could you imagine if you had a touchscreen hey. situation where you're filling out your health questionnaire? These touchscreens with her. She really likes touchscreens, folks. Somebody send her a touchscreen. I, I, I do like that one. I do like that, though. Uh, I'm going to, I actually downloaded a, a last week's episode of Category 5 Technology TV, and if I can find it here, it's in videos. I want to see how the performance is when I just double click Welcome on the game. To category I have five. not hey, installed any software. Henry. Also, performance of the video that way is pretty good. So it's that's been a an MP4 H.264 video file. We're going to have a great show. Um, and very, you very just well. reminded me so much of Mark. Full screen in the default player. Does it have it? There we go. Double click. I know. What, that's full that's screen video. crazy thing going online right now, but you should Perfect. totally yeah. talk about that it. I mean, fantastic. like, I just got back from the so Battle Royale. So again, that just points oh, to well, the browser, right? If it's like a game um, that looks... And there is Cody pre-installed, which I've never clicked on, and I'm afraid to, but should we try it? Yes. I don't know what's going to happen if I do. Katas is the login and password, just so you're aware. Didn't actually go anywhere. That said, LibreElec is available for this board, for the Vim 3. Um, press Enter to continue. Enter my password. Oh. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So, uh, grab whatever operating system is going to do it for you. Yeah. And give it a go. Uh, anything else that you folks would like to see in the chat? Uh, I, have, I see that it has um, the Office Suite integrated, came with it. Libre Office. Again, just look at the performance and you just think that this is a single board computer and it's actually operating very, very well. Like the performance feels yeah. ex just exceptional. And the board is really, really nice. It's not laggy in any way. It doesn't feel laggy at all. It's keeping up with Robbie. Huh. Would have no problem with Sasha. <laughs> Hunt and peck. <laughs> no, you do better than that. Come on. So what does it come with on the, this is Ubuntu XFCE. Um, just a couple of accessories there. Games was empty, but I installed SuperTux Cart just to test. I've installed GIMP, but it came with Mirage. We've got Chromium, Chromium pre-installed, and it is working. It works fairly well. Hexchat, Thunderbird Mail. Multimedia, we do have Cody, which I'm not sure if it does anything at this point, but um, as I say, LibreElec is available for you, and we've got a couple of different player things and volume control, all that kind of typical stuff, our office suite, and then some system utilities. Let's bring up HTOP and see how things are running. So there it is. Uh, we have one, two, three, four, five, six cores, and this board has two gigs of RAM. It's re registering as 1.8 gigabytes, and we're using 356 megabytes uh, at idle. Load average of 1.22 over the past couple of minutes. There you go. So it looks really good. Nice. I'm happy with it. 
Get your $20 off, folks. Again, not an advertisement, but hey, an encouragement if you are interested in the Vim 3 from Kadas, which I hope you are, because it's amazing. I really like it. <laughs> I've always had my eye on these, uh, the, the Vim 2. I mean, the, the, aesthetically, I think they're one of the nicest looking boards. They really are good. And to fire it up and realize, hey, this is actually a really great board as well. But anyway, get your 20 bucks off if you like by going to cat5.tv slash vim3. And there is some information there on how you can either tweet or post on Facebook. Those are one of the, those are your two options, folks. So you're going to have to sign up for an account for one of those. While you're at it, follow us and we'll, we'll give you lots of, lots of likes. That's right. And everything else. <laughs> Okay, that's going to give you 20 bucks off of your new Caddis Vim 3. So, hey, cancel your account after you're done if you need to. You know, if, if you just don't agree with the terms and conditions of Twitter. <laughs> uh, okay, we've got to head over to the newsroom. Sasha, if you're ready for it. I am. All right. Here are the stories we're covering this week in the Category5.tv newsroom. Lenovo is shipping their 2019 ThinkPad P-Series models pre-installed with Ubuntu Linux. Dozens of drivers blindly following a Google Maps detour ended up stranded in a field with some drivers stuck in deep mud. A tiny Raspberry Pi computer has been used to steal data from NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory and, speaking of the Raspberry Pi, they finally released the Pi 4, and now you can hack NASA even faster. These stories are coming right up. Don't go anywhere. This is the Category5.tv newsroom, covering the week's top tech stories with a slight Linux bias. I'm Sasha Rickman, and here are the top stories we're following this week. Lenovo is shipping their two 2019 ThinkPad PC... P-Series models pre-installed with Ubuntu Linux. That's right. It's possible to purchase Lenovo's high-performance ThinkPad systems with Ubuntu shipped from the factory starting with this year's models. ThinkPads have often been the laptop of choice for Linux users, as Lenovo historically does certify ThinkPad models for Linux use. Though prior to this announcement, buyers were stuck paying the Windows tax for unwanted bundle license of, Windows, of Microsoft Windows, which many would remove anyway. Application models can be configured with Ubuntu 18.04 LTS and will be available this month. Though not offered as a preloadable option, the P-Series is also certified for Red Hat Enterprise Linux. Lenovo announced 2019 models of the ThinkPad P73, ThinkPad P53, ThinkPad P53S, and P43S, as well as the ThinkPad P1 Gen 2 last week, powered by 9th generation Intel Core CPUs. The the new models introduce OLED displays on certain units, as well as X-Rite Pantone Pantone, Pantone factory color calibration, which is a significant bonus for content creators and designers. The P-Series ThinkPads are closer to a desktop replacement than anything else, as these units come with more expandability options than the T or X-Series and higher performance NVIDIA graphics. Buyers can also upgrade to Exxon Xeon mobile CPU, CPUs on the P-Series. It is yet to be seen if this option will be extended to other ThinkPad models. I could right. get... I was so excited about that, I could not talk. Yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah. Exxon. I, the, I, the, I said Xeon, didn't I? <laughs> you said Exxon Xeon. Oh, you said I? both. I said both. <laughs> you said both. Oh, <laughs> I'm excited to see Linux desktop available on a commercial like a very good commercial laptop yeah and we've seen it happen before but as people progressively get get used to that availability maybe we'll start to see more adoption mm -hmm. and these days really linux is ready for mainstream yes. the desktop is ready for mainstream especially if they let's say keep a good relationship with steam and so on and so forth Maybe, then, you know, wink, be. wink, nudge, nudge. Yes. Because then you've got all your games and everything else. So that's the, really the one drawback if you switch to Linux is losing access to your games. Mm -hmm. Well, not if you use Steam. So presumably that's not a problem anymore. Oh, that would be great. And Lenovo makes some good hardware. And those sound like sweet machines, too. I like this story. Are you going to buy one? 
Probably. No. <laughs> Last I mean, time when we did a news story about VR, what happened? I bought a VR. Like, she bought a VR. immediately. Like two yeah. weeks later, I was like, guess what I have now? It's horrible. When I get excited about a news story and then it just gets in my brain and it marinates. And This is how we pay for the show, folks. We just do news stories that <laughs> are like... And then I just buy things on affiliate links so and then bingo bango. The next story is about a Tesla. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> Not really. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Dozens of drivers blindly following a Google Maps detour ended up stranded in a field with some drivers stuck in deep mud. The Colorado drivers learned a hard lesson about technology after the Google Maps detour led them astray. One of the drivers involved, Connie Monsies, reported that she was stuck in traffic on her way to the Denver International Airport, so she turned on Google Maps to see if there was an alternate route to get her there. The app suggested a route that projected to save 20 minutes on her commute, but it didn't take long for her to begin questioning the almighty Google's wisdom as the road she was on suddenly turned from pavement to dirt, which had become a muddy mess due to a recent rainfall. She said that at the time she thought, all these other cars in front are in front of me, so it must be okay. Soon, though, some of those drivers in front of her began to get stuck in the mud. She went on... Why did Google send us out there to begin with? It just didn't make any sense. There was no turning back once you were there. Monty said the road was clearly private and not meant for regular commuters, but Google said that the road was not marked as private on their system. Jason Luber, a local traffic reporter who is related to Monty's, said drivers shouldn't be so committed to what their phones are telling them. Quote, Google Maps isn't perfect, he said. You need to know where you're going, end quote. And that's why he's sleeping on the couch this week, guys. That's right. <laughs> um, okay, so... Oh, my goodness. The best scene from The Office ever was Michael Scott driving with Dwight, Dwight Schrute, and the GPS was telling him, turn right, turn right, or whatever it was. And Michael's, like, freaking out, and he's like, okay, all right. And he turns right, and he just drives right into a lake. I, the best scene ever. And it just totally reminds me of that. Okay, so I am not dumb, I will say. I am not dumb, but I heavily rely on my Google Maps mm -hmm. to the point where sometimes I question myself. Like it says, your destination will hmm. be on the left. And I think, there's nothing on the left. I bet you my destination is on the right. But I think to myself... Maybe I go further to the left. Like, for mm. a second, like, I just trust so much in Google Maps. And it's just because they get me to the right spot more often than not. Yeah. But I use it on the daily for my job because I just sure. get sent into the community. <laughs> I'm given an address, put it in my Google Maps, and, well, bam, what if I end up stuck <laughs> on a muddy road? Yeah. So <laughs> it's got to be technology plus common sense. Because there has right. to come a point when the mud is getting thick, when you realize, okay, uh, this is not right. But as she said, like, what would you do in that moment? You can't, you can't pull a U-turn on mud. Right. Like, that's pretty difficult when there's a hundred other cars that are also following the same directions. And I can, I understand because I've been, whenever I drive to Toronto, I love having a GPS. Right. I love it because it is nutty down there. And I'm such a small town boy when you see me driving. Like, I'm just, it's when like I get... 10 and 2. And oh, yeah. But I'm, I'm a good driver. But I would just get so lost in those roads that just go every which direction. Yeah. I love, like, Google Maps tells you which lane you should be in. Like, sure. take the middle lane and the follow it. Yeah. My now, GPS is constant. You are going too fast. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, mine does not And I'm like, anything. shut up, man. I'm flowing with the traffic. Now... <laughs> You can go in and amend, and I haven't done it, but I know people who have, and I really should when I notice something wrong. When mm -hmm. you notice that the destination is on the wrong side of the street, or oh, if, yes. it's, if it's taking you to the wrong entrance, you can you edit, can edit mm -hmm. so somebody just needs to edit that road as private. Oh, okay. Right? I'll bet you somebody's done that now. <laughs> right. Or somebody... <laughs> edited in the wrong direction and it just slipped past oh, the maybe. Google yeah. editors, yeah. right? So, mm -hmm. but it just is a collaboration of people that are trying to get you to the best spot and yeah. nobody intentionally puts you in a muddy road and I'm sorry, you probably missed your flight. This is probably yeah. not a great news story for you, but... <laughs> 
Google gets me where I need and to I, go. And I, I do feel bad more than anything because you can, you can say, oh, well, why didn't you stop? Or why didn't, like, it, I think it comes down to that. Like, if I was in Toronto and I was listening to my GPS, I'm just, do, I'm just doing what it says because otherwise I would be on the wrong road to the wrong place. And it's really hard to get back once you're on the wrong road. Right. So I listen and I do what I'm told. We have gotten into, like, <laughs> slight spousal disagreements in the car when Dave says, why are you going that way when uh-huh. it's so much faster to go the other way? I'm like, because it's what Google said to do. <laughs> like, I, was, <laughs> like well, I just want to listen to the, the machine. <laughs> and he drives motor, his motorcycle, oh, so he's, he's, he's like, he, just, he knows exactly he's, like, he knows every every street and yeah. he knows directions like with his eyes closed yeah. and i'm just like tell me where to go google <laughs> <laughs> oh dear a tiny raspberry pi computer has been used to steal data from nasa's jet propulsion laboratory an audit report revealed the gadget was used to take about 500 megabytes of data it said two of the files that were taken dealt with the international transfer of restricted military and space technology the attacker who used the device to hack the network went undetected for about 10 months. The malicious hacker won access to the Jet Propulsion Lab internal network via the Raspberry Pi by hijacking its user account. The report said that although the Pi had been attached to the network by the employee, lax controls over logging means that NASA administrators did not know that it was present. This oversight left the vulnerable device unmonitored on the network, allowing the attacker to take control of it and use it to steal data. Once the attacker had one access, they then moved around the internal network by taking advantage of weak internal security controls that should have made it impossible to jump between different departmental systems. The attacker has not been identified or caught. The stolen data came from 23 files, but little detail was given about the type of information that went astray. The audit process revealed several other devices on the JPL network that system administrators did not know about. None of these other devices was believed to be malicious. Mm, that's scary. So yeah. just an employee doo, 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 plugged it in. and Well, an employee plugged in a Raspberry Pi, which no doubt had the default username and password most likely, like Pi Raspberry, right. right? You don't necessarily think about it on an internal LAN, but as soon as it's accessible, well, now you're done. And it's not a Raspberry Pi thing. This is the, the very problem with ransomware these days and things like that because people have computers that are unprotected on their network and if a hacker can get access to one of them now they have access to everything in this case they realize hey i'm into nasa i'm gonna steal a bunch of data well they could have encrypted all their files and shut down the space program they could have done that um so you know there's all kinds of it's not a raspberry pi issue it's just hey a raspberry pi is very convenient Right. Little device. You could hide it anywhere, right? Mm-hmm. I'm shocked. Very lax security. In That's what I was going to say. I'm shocked that they have such lax security. I mean, even ESET Endpoint uh, Security Center and ESET Security Management Center. Mm-hmm. I keep changing the acronyms. <laughs> ESET Security Management Center is like the latest version of ESET Remote Administrator, version 7. Uh, it has what's called a rogue detector built in and it's free to download the the management center if you don't have a license then you can't deploy agents but uh or you can't deploy the anti-malware and things like that but the rogue detector would still work right and the rogue detector will tell you you can set it up so that the administrator of the network gets an email if anyone plugs in a computer because if you're relying on like a dhcp pool like that's no good so does nasa just not know to do that presumably that seems silly nasa yeah. That's weird. Uh-huh. Like, there's a simple fix to this. I think... Super simple. Mm-hmm. Right? Call Robbie. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I do. That's one way. Yeah. Wow. I'd be slapping them and say, look, what are you, they're lucky. They are yeah. really lucky they didn't get hit with ransomware. Gee. There are cities right now that are without computers because ransomware. Right, because and they, they found what twenty three other devices that obviously that weren't malicious. Sure, right. Somebody brings a device from home and plugs it in, or puts it on the Wi Fi, and all of a sudden it's a new device. But 
as I say, like if you're watching the DHCP pool to see what IP addresses spawn up and what MAC addresses are connected to your network, that's not viable. What if someone sets a static IP address outside of the pool or on a different block, like right. different subnet? Well, you, you wouldn't even know. So a rogue detector will actually tell them if there's devices on the network that they don't know about, mm -hmm. which is very, very important. That's like rudimentary. I'm talking that's free. So NASA, call Robbie. Just do something. Like and subscribe. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Give us a thumbs up if you work for NASA. <laughs> and speaking of the Raspberry Pi, they finally released the Pi 4, and now you can hack NASA even faster. The Raspberry Pi 4 has arrived, and you can finally get a pee, a pie with more... A pee. <laughs> a pee. A pee. <laughs> <laughs> you can, I can, should I start again? No. No. <laughs> the end of the teleprompter does get slightly cut off. I did not see... And pie somehow became pee. It's only a pee, I see. The story is clearly about a Raspberry Pi. <laughs> clearly. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. Yeah, and you can finally get a Pi with more than one gigabyte RAM. At the heart of the Raspberry Pi 4 is a 64-bit quad-core ARM Cortex A72 CPU running at 1.5 gigahertz. It's paired with a selection of memory options, 1 gigabyte, 2 gigabyte, or 4 gigabyte RAM. The new processor, when paired with 4 gigabytes RAM, is advertised as being able to deliver a desktop-like experience. CPU heavy tasks like game emulation will definitely see some notable improvements on the new chip versus the older, slower ones in earlier models. But this still leaves the Raspberry Pi with less impressive specs than even last year's releases from Pine64 or Odroid. The Pi 4 does have two micro HDMI ports, though, so if you'd like, you can connect up to two 4K displays with a single Raspberry Pi 4 device. This is made possible courtesy of an improved Video Core 6 GPU. The GPU can also handle H.265 4K P60 hardware decoding. That should help improve video playback on Plex Pi systems where H.265 would previously cause ex excessive stuttering. The new Raspberry Pi 4 finally introduces true gigabit Ethernet to the Raspberry Pi lineup rather than that USB piggybacked gig controller that only gave us a third of the speed. There's still no eMMC support, which is disappointing, but all in all, for $55 US, for just for the 4 gigabyte bo board alone, the new Pi 4 is a big upgrade over previous models at a reasonable price point, with specs that bring the Pi a little more in line with offerings from other SBC manufacturers. We've been waiting so long for this. Yes! And it's finally here. It is actually, you know, it's pretty impressive for a Pi. Like, I'm... It's it's blowing away the older pies for sure. Yes. And I think uh, retro pie needs a little upgrade, and by that I mean we need to upgrade our systems. That's yes. going to be awesome. I think Raspberry Pi four for for retro pie is going to be, be excellent. Yes, screaming. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if the four gig is available yet. I haven't been able to s to find it. Oh, it is. Yeah, because Marshman in our community received his. Here in Canada, though. We always have this with Raspberry Pi. Like, it's available in the UK. The US sees it next. And then Canada... Gets it start, eventually. Well, we start seeing them on Amazon for inflated prices by third-party sellers. And finally, two years later, we start to be able to receive them directly from Canakit and stuff like that. Hopefully, Canakit will be on the ball this time around with the Pi 4, because I'd really like to be able to get my hands on a, a, like a four gig model mm -hmm. and, and put it through its paces and see how it performs. And giggle score it. I will absolutely and I have and I and I have giggle scored the because it's um, Nems Linux is available for the Pi 4 oh, okay. so or P4 depending on which side of the table you're on um, and so we get those stats <laughs> and it's performing very very well it's probably the number one board right now as far as like giggle value and and the actual performance ratio it's mm -hmm. it's really doing well which is great it really is yeah 
I'm going to take a real quick look at uh, what CoinGecko shows us about the cryptocurrency market. You'll remember that last week we had a big interview, and uh, so we were unable to fit in the market report, but here we are. So this is two weeks later. Um, these are how the numbers have changed over the course of two weeks as opposed to our regular one-week gap. Um, so Bitcoin, we've seen that go up a couple of grand, Sasha. So if you invested in it two weeks ago... It's right. now, it is now trading at $11,390.88 per Bitcoin. Uh, Facebook Libra, we still do not see it on the uh, exchange, so it's still valued at zero. Uh, Litecoin, uh, and I should say Facebook Libra, Libra, we are monitoring so that when it does hit, we're going to be the first to know. You're going to be the first to know. Litecoin is, uh, is sitting at $118.58 US dollars, uh, and that's a loss of about $10 a week over the past two weeks. <laughs> Ethereum is up to 294.26, nearing that $300 threshold, uh, gaining $26.17 in two weeks. Monero, uh, its fiat value right now is $88.12, losing $11.68 over the past couple of weeks. Torque and, and TurtleCoin, both sitting about where they were because they're so tiny. We should start doing like how much 10,000 turtle coin are worth. That's how we should like Feel like figure we should it have out. Like, remember like in All the, of a sudden, the Price is Right, they have like those little games like the oh, mountain climber. We go. need to have like that. Like that like, for turtle with coin? A turtle. With a turtle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and if we multiply it by like 10,000, then we all of a sudden turtle coin's worth $4 and people be like, what? What? what That'd be mind blowing. I have a million turtle coin. <laughs> you know? It'd be wow, $4 million. Uh, Torque is at uh, 1.13. That's a gain of point. 18 ten thousandths of a cent uh, and 1.13 ten thousandths of a cent per coin. <laughs> Turtle coin um, also not quite as valuable as a Bitcoin right now. 0 0.95 ten thousandths of a cent. Not even a ten thousandth of a cent. <gasps> that is... But it's consistent. Exactly. It is consistently slow, tiny. Slow and steady. But that Very means slow. it's easy to mine. It's right. still easy to mine. And if it's easy to mine, you can have lots of them. Right. And when the supply goes down, the value goes up. That's the presumption. Yes. Maybe that will happen. Maybe it won't. So just when you buy crypto or when you mine crypto, you just have to make sure that what you're spending on it is the same amount that you could spend on coffee in a day in such a way that and what i mean by that is when you drink a coffee you're not getting that money back right. don't don't plan to get that money back just mm. it's something fun to try and if you do get that money back yeah. ten thousand fold then fantastic <laughs> send us a tv that's right. That's all we need. That's all we need. <laughs> Big thanks to Roy W. Nash and our community of viewers for submitting stories to us this week. Thanks for watching the Category5.tv newsroom. Don't forget to like and subscribe for all your tech news with a slight Linux bias. And for more free content, be sure to check out our website. From the Category5.tv newsroom, I'm Sasha Rickman. And I'm Robbie Ferguson. Thanks for being here this week. We've got to take a really quick break. We'll be right back. Welcome back. This is Category 5 Technology TV. 615 weeks of this stuff. And it's time to replace the old girl, the computer that we use to broadcast the show each and every week. Yes. She's old and faithful. She's treated us well. She's tired. I built it at the beginning of Season 5, or I guess you would say the end of Season 4. So if, if you consider I built this at the, at the beginning of Season 5, and we are now partway through Season 12, and it's, given up the, it's giving up the ghost. It hasn't given up the ghost, past tense. It's failing us. Yes. And so I've mentioned on the show that we've needed to raise the funds to be able to pull this all together. And I just, I am so thrilled and so uh, thankful uh, to be able to announce that we now have all of the components to do the build. So it's all here. I've unboxed everything as far as like 
knowing what was in the packaging that was shipped to us, uh, having to open the product itself because we're going right. to do that on the air. Uh, but do keep in mind, if you are keen on seeing that build take place, um, make sure you sign up as a patron. And that is a way to support the show, but um, it's it's affordable, like as little as just a dollar a month you'd be supporting us, but at the same time gaining access, access to additional content that you wouldn't normally see on the show. Now, we are going to have a feature where you're going to see the build, um, on Category 5 Technology TV without being a patron or anything. Uh, but if you want to follow along, because it's going to be a very long process putting it together, probably several episodes that you'll be able to enjoy that are not going to be broadcast elsewhere, um, that's a way that you can get those. So thank you to everybody who has contributed. If you donated in some way and you are not a patron, maybe you don't want to be a patron for some reason and you're donating through PayPal, uh, I'm perfectly willing to just send you private links so like it's not it's not an exclusive club or anything like that Uh, understand patreon just simply makes it really easy for us to be able to have uh, a means of giving extra content to those who support us because it it is like an opt-in thing Uh, but if you've contributed in some other way i'm happy to hook you up directly so just send me an email or something like that that would be appreciated Uh, and uh, that's going to be a lot of fun i can't wait to put it together we've got an i9 9900k we have an unbelievable setup. We've got uh, six terabytes of NVMe storage. Uh, we have 64 gigabytes of 3200 megahertz RAM uh, from Kingston Technology. We have a uh, video card. And boy, do we have a video card, a GPU, uh, GTX 6000, uh, no, <laughs> GTX, GTX, <laughs> RTX 6000 Quadro card. That was uh, donated as well. Uh, we've got all the parts to put it all together. We've got a beautiful motherboard. It's an Aorus. Uh, what is it called? Uh, Aorus Master, Master from Gigabyte. And uh, so, hey, this is going to be an amazing build. Yes. And so when I am finished putting that together, um, it's going to be the broadcast server. Mm-hmm. And that's how we're going to be doing the show. Um, so thank you very, very much for supporting us and helping us to be able to make that build uh, a reality. Um, we are volunteers here at the show, and um, that is something that we needed to do, and we're doing it. So thank you, everybody. And uh, let's, uh, let's go into Season 13 when it comes uh, this October. Right. Um, it's not that far off. It's kind of yeah. crazy to think that we're partway into July now, and October is not very far. Yeah. Really, when it's all said and done. And that's season 13. The lucky season 13. Should we jump right to season 14 like an elevator? Or call it like 12B? <laughs> season 12B. Season 12. <laughs> I like it. 12B. <laughs> that's great. Uh, but thank you, everybody, for being patrons, for supporting us in any way that you've been able to. Uh, we appreciate that very much. We are on Twitter at Category5TV, or you can follow me personally at Robbie Ferguson. I promise promise i will entertain you (laughs) no doubt if you are an orville fan you will love my feed if you are a geek in any way you'll love my feed if you love single board computers you'll love my feed if you love barbecue (laughs) (laughs) you will love my feed um also um don't forget you can follow us on youtube that should be pretty obvious that you can get category 5 technology tv on youtube but also we have one called linux tech show and i encourage you to also subscribe to that see how i did that um because it's edited down snippets of category 5 technology tv so you can just catch the 5 10 15 minute clip instead of having to watch the whole hour where robbie goes on and on (laughs) about nerdy things right you can just get 15 minute little segments of it exactly we cut out all that banter um you can also watch us on plex and cody um you'll find us get onto our website category5.tv to pull it all together and we've got rss feeds and everything else so you can find those there thanks for watching everybody and i look forward to seeing you again next week when ameridroid is going to be here in studio making the trek up and across the border and going to be talking with us about kind of the future of single board computing in the enterprise environment because we're seeing that real shift i talked about the shift to the desktop 
that's happening, that's starting to happen. Mm -hmm. But we're also in enterprise seeing a shift in the data center. We're seeing a shift in the server room. And, uh, and that is really starting to happen. We're going to be talking about what we can expect over the next little while, and we've got a lot to talk about. I mean, someone like Bo from Meridroid, it's, it's going to be such an honor and a pleasure to have him here, and, uh, and that's going to be a great show. I you love don't want to miss it. Yeah. So take care, everybody. See ya.